Welcome to Meta Spiritual, the Conscious Web3 podcast, exploring the metaphysical, the mystical, and the metaverse. I'm Tori Madison, your host, and together we'll embark on a voyage into the interconnectedness of the human soul and the digital universe. We'll explore how artificial intelligence and virtual worlds are opening portals to new dimensions of self-discovery, interconnectivity, and collective evolution. How will the future of technology impact humanity and our mental health? Listen to find out. We are in. Today, I have Max Marine live on the call with me. He is the CEO and co-founder of Grateful Labs and the Grateful Giraffe community. Hi, Max. Hey, Tori. How you doing? What's going on? Super great to see you, and I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, just learning more about gratitude and how being in a state of gratitude can affect our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual being. And so, um, you have just built an incredible community, one in which I was first introduced to at the Tulum Crypto Fest last year in 2022 that was a blast so um what is the mission of grateful labs and the grateful giraffe community sure uh thanks again for having me it's uh it's an honor to be here um you know the the mission is ultimately to enhance collective well-being you know that's kind of like our our north star we have a vision of a world with more gratitude, um, more compassion, more connection. And our approach to achieving this vision and mission is to build a global lifestyle brand rooted in gratitude, but represented by the giraffe. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll just take a step back and um, kind of share my personal story around gratitude, because I think it's important, you know, for, for more context here. Um, you know, I, I grew up in, in Philadelphia um, in an upper middle class suburb. I had healthcare, I had education, I had food, I had, you know, just a lot of privilege, if you will, relative to the rest of this, this planet. But I really took it for granted. You know, I didn't have the, the context, the perspective growing up of how fortunate I was. Uh, and in 2010, while I was in university, I discovered gratitude journaling. And this was just, you know, a simple way to kind of hack your way to happiness. I was just reading it in one of these books. And it said, if you write three things a day you're grateful for, it leads to ha happier, healthier states of consciousness. And so I began to do the practice. And it was really the first time in my life I took inventory of what I had, you know, been given without any real work or effort. Um, and so I started to pay attention a little bit more each day to all these blessings uh, in my life to the point where I started to have, you know, tears of gratitude. Uh, I just began to feel very, very warm and fuzzy inside, really taking stock of how, you know, how much abundance uh, was in my life. And so that became, you know, sort of like a defining moment in my personal journey, just beginning to to take the time each day to focus on, on the good. Um, now, for those of us who have you know, started a gratitude journal, most of us have stopped. <laughs> it's just a very you know, difficult thing to maintain over a long period of time. So we kind of get these 
benefits and we're excited and we're grateful and then we stop journaling and we think it's just going to last but guess what it doesn't <laughs> you know if we don't actually continue this practice and build the muscle we start to default back to our natural state which is searching for threats and trying to survive and being in fight or flight uh, and as humans we suffer from an entitlement bias uh, a negativity bias an expectations bias a comparison bias this is our sort of hardware um, we're just built, you know, for evolution and survival and reproduction. And now we're living in a very different world where some of these features don't really serve us and don't allow us to flourish. Um, and so I was looking for a way to continue the practice and continue to, to build that muscle. And I decided to make it more social, right? So I would go up to strangers with a gratitude journal and I would approach them on the subway or in the streets or at a restaurant. And I would say, hey, would you like to write something you're grateful for in my notebook? Now, I, I knew what was going to happen, right? If the person said yes, because the science is very clear. If you take mm -hmm. the time to actually write down what you're grateful for, it releases dopamine, it releases serotonin, it reduces cortisol. It really you know, generates <clears throat> a little reset in your mood. And so part of my passion for a long time now has been how do I bring light into people's days and you know simple ways and being able to go up to someone and know that if they actually complete this exercise they're going to feel a little bit better gave me a lot of joy and purpose so that kind of became my way to continue the practice um <clears throat> I moved to Israel in 2015 to begin a career in venture capital and I discovered something called Midburn, which is Israel's, you know, regional version of Burning Man. Uh, one of the principles at Burning Man is gifting without any expectations of receiving anything. It kind mm -hmm. of creates this culture where everyone is sharing something with everyone else. And it just, it, it's kind of utopic in a way. There's no money. It's just a lot of people giving without expecting to receive. And so, given my knowledge of gratitude, I decided to give the gift of gratitude. And so I would continue this sort of social journaling practice. I would go up to people and ask them if they wanted to write something in their journal, in the journal, uh, and then the final day, read the entire notebook, right? So I like collected all of these notes of appreciation and all these positive interactions with all these beautiful humans. And then I read the entire thing and it would bring me to tears because it's just so much gratitude. And, you know, the thing about Gratitude is, you know, I have my own gratitude practice. I have my own way of looking at the world and my own way of appreciating things. But when you get to read a hundred different perspectives on gratitude, one after the other, after the other, it's just really beautiful. Uh, and it's moving <clears throat> and inspiring. And it just kind of expands my awareness of what it means to be grateful. And so this became a ritual for me. Uh, every year I would go back to the the burn and then I discovered the, you know, the the one in Nevada, like the OG one, and I brought it there. And Friday nights, I used to host a lot of dinners, and I would ask people around the table, what's one thing from this week you're grateful for, right? And so I kind of became this gratitude guy, you know, just as a personal passion, because I understood what it was doing to people and how it was elevating their, their well-being. Um, but it was always kind of a side thing, you know, I was a mm -hmm. passion. Um, but then in 2021... Um, after, you know, again, completing this ritual in the desert, I left with this, uh, with this calling, you know, this feeling of my purpose is to spread gratitude. It's more important than my career in venture capital. 
Um, the world is going through a very dark time. There's more depression, there's more anxiety, there's more loneliness, there's more suicide. We're more connected digitally than ever, but we're less connected physically than ever. And our deepest need for human connection is not being met by social media and by all this technology. So we're, you know, suffering as a result. And, you know, I kind of witnessed the way that <clears throat> Common Headspace took meditation and they wrapped it and they packaged it and they made it a mainstream accessible modality. Um, right. Then you saw Aloe and Lululemon did something with yoga. They made it fashionable and they made it wearable. And then more and more people were getting into this. And so I was like, there's nothing really out there focused on gratitude. You know, there's no brand that's kind of hanging its hats on gratitude. And gratitude is kind of a lifestyle. You know, it's a foundational building block for a life of well-being. Uh, you know, many wise people for millennia have said gratitude is the key to happiness, you know, and gratitude is the parent of all virtues. And it's just something very core to living a great life. Um, and so I felt like here's a market opportunity, right? My, my background's in venture capital. I see things through supply and demand and profit and loss and how to create something and, and you know, take advantage of a market opportunity. So I just had this instinct, you know, maybe there's a way to spread gratitude globally uh, and do it in a commercially viable way, you know, actually build a business with gratitude at the core. Um, and so that was kind of this whole context that led me into this giraffe journey, uh, because at the time, there were these new uh, symbols and characters that were being built by communities in this whole NFT boom, which, you know, obviously you were aware of at the time and, and many of mm -hmm. us were. Uh, and the most notorious or most famous of all NFT communities were these board apes, right? The board ape yacht club. And what was happening there was super interesting to me because, you know, you took this new character, nobody had thought of the board ape yacht club until it launched this collection of different profile pictures. But very quickly you had thousands of fans who identified with the character. I'm a board ape, you're a board ape, right? Then, I mean, mm -hmm. these were very smart, you know, marketers that were behind this project, but suddenly you had Justin Bieber and Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton and Madonna and all these A-list celebrities purchasing these apes for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and then making the apes their profile picture, right? And so very quickly, hundreds of millions of people, or at least tens of millions of people, were coming into contact with the symbol, right, of a board ape. But for me, it was a little disturbing, right? Because <clears throat> the symbol that's going viral is boredom, mindlessness, and exclusive mm. yacht club that most people can't get into, right? So it was like, here's, wow. a, here's a new technology, but it's being used to spread sort of a, a negative message, in my opinion, um, but couldn't it be used to spread a positive message, right? That was kind of my, my question, uh, my curiosity. And what happened as a result of the Bored Apes is that you had a bunch of, you know, other animal collectives start to emerge. You had the cool cats, uh, the pudgy penguins, the lazy lions, and it just went on and on and on. And I just thought, you know, maybe there's a way to create a symbol for gratitude using one of these alliterative animal, you know, approaches um, and, you know, grateful gorillas, too close to the apes, grateful gerbils, a little small, grateful <laughs> apes, a little too much ego, greatest of all time. But who doesn't like a giraffe? You know, giraffes are just kind of these universally admired creatures that we all look up to and we're all kind of mystified by. And there was no giraffe community. You know, there was no 
alliterative giraffe community. So I said, you know what? Let's create a community called Grateful Giraffes. Um, and let's, you know, build this movement and let's see what happens, you know, and that was kind of the inspiration for giraffes. And just to close the whole giraffe question, once we looked deeper into the giraffes, again, initially it was just alliteration and availability. <laughs> um, but over time, it's, you know, become clear that giraffes really represent our highest self. You know, they rise above the negativity on a metaphorical level. They have vision and foresight, right? They can see far into the, the distance. They stand tall, they stick their necks out for each other, they have the largest heart of all land mammals. Um, so, you know, we think love is an important part of, of healing the world. Um, and we like to say that their head is in the clouds, but their feet are on the ground, so they are spiritual yet grounded. Um, and oftentimes we see kind of in the spiritual world, a lack of scientific, you know, rigor and a lack of willingness to look at evidence and just kind of a lot of superstition, but then on the grounded front, we see a lot of people who are too focused on the data and too focused on the science and can't open themselves up to source or a divine consciousness or something bigger than us all. And so giraffes, we just have grown to love as our symbol of a lifestyle of gratitude, but also of, you know, giraffe qualities. And so the grateful giraffes kind of are combining those two things. Amazing, super powerful. I love the concept of how you know you wanted to create a movement that was bringing more positivity and more gratitude into the world and have that be the focus point just from your own experience and what you've been able to learn and see transform in your own personal life through gratitude. And so you developed the concept of you know, the Grateful Draft NFT. And then, you know, that's originally how we met. And then we also were at the New York City um, and NYC NFT conference. And um, that was amazing. I think you guys sponsored something there. It was the Zen Den, right? We had, yeah, we had a few activations at the Zen Den and we also built a gratitude wall uh, in the registration mm -hmm. area so that as people got their tags, they then were given a marker and could write uh, an answer to the prompt, who are you grateful for? Then take a picture of what they wrote and send it to that person. So, you know, we what were... did you learn from that experience? Well, you know, it's interesting because um, this whole kind of concept of a gratitude wall uh, emerged somewhat organically when we first started this journey in Tel Aviv. You know, we, mm -hmm. um, we got permission from the city to build a gratitude wall in the center of like the public square in Tel Aviv. So for two weeks, thousands of people came and wrote what they were grateful for on a wall in the middle of the city, right? I don't know if that's ever been done before. Um, and, you know, we had yoga and meditation and sound healing and all these different activations there. And what we understood as we kind of walked away was this is powerful stuff, you know? This is a potent form of bringing people back together, especially after COVID, everyone's so isolated and mm -hmm. anxious and afraid. Here's a gratitude wall, you know, come and write on it, come and read on it and connect with other people. We had grandparents who were teaching their grandkids about the meaning of the word gratitude. It was really, it was powerful stuff, right? So our, uh, you know, our, our vision was, well, how can we build gratitude walls in more places? You know, how can we bring this installation mm -hmm. and activation to more and more people to reunite us? Because, right, most walls divide us, but the gratitude mm -hmm. wall actually unites us. Um, and so we had this crazy idea to, you know, build a wall in New York and Miami and Austin and L.A., but we just didn't have the resources or the time or the 
bureaucratic connections to like execute on all these different walls. So we said, well, what if it was a mobile wall that we could drive from city to city? And one thing led to the next. And ultimately, one of our advisors was selling his white RV, like a bus that just had like, it just looked like a gratitude wall, you know, on wheels. And we, 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 uh-huh. or the blank slate too. Was, slate, yeah. you know? We purchased it. And a week later, we landed in New York, my co-founder and I, and a few of our teammates, and um, we got it wrapped with giraffes. So, you know, our NFTs were kind of character characters on the bus. It said, what are you grateful for? We drove it from New York to Miami. In Miami, we flew to Tulum, which is where we met. So we built a gratitude wall there. We flew back to Miami. We drove through Austin all the way to LA. Uh, and all the way back to New York in six weeks. And we la- we got into New York, you know, when we left, Ethereum was $3,000 a coin. And when we returned, it was $1,000 a coin. So we returned from this trip just so tired, you know, like just imagine trying to run a company, build a community and be a full-time bus driver and drive 7,000 miles in six weeks, <laughs> spreading gratitude every single day to strangers at every possible place you can imagine. It was insanity. I mean, it was the most difficult six weeks of my life. It was truly excruciating. And we got to NYC the night before the conference. And somehow, Adon, my co-founder, managed to get someone to like ship wood to the conference hall at the Marriott. And we came in at like 11 p.m. And Adar mostly built that thing from scratch, a <laughs> wooden wall with like just vinyls and it was just it was actually psychopathic if you really look back at it and think about it and so yeah. world giraffe day june 21st oh my gosh it's all aligned stand up the wall you know in the registration i overslept because i was so tired a dog got like four hours of sleep and showed up there at 9 a.m people markers and we're like on our last breath and we're like hey what are you who are you grateful for you know it was just it was ridiculous and Um, You know, we ultimately, I think, brightened a lot of people's days um, by just giving them that chance to drop in. And, you know, prior to that wall, we had asked, what are you grateful for? That was the prompt, right? What are you grateful for? But as we learned through our journey, the most potent form of gratitude is the expression of appreciation for others. It's actually the type of gratitude that brings us closer together and, you know, brings us back into that social cohesion, which is responsible for a lot of our well-being, you know, like put someone in a room without people, that's the, you know, the highest form of torture, right? Like solitary confinement. Um, It doesn't matter how healthy you are. If you're not around people for more than 72 hours, you kind of want to kill yourself. And that's just, you know, another reminder of how important it is for us to be more, more connected. So asking who are you grateful for? And not what are you grateful for? We thought was a good way to kind of like invite people into the the most potent form of gratitude. Um, And we saw people taking pictures and sending it to their, you know, loved ones. And uh, as a result, a few people at the wall ended up becoming, you know, part of the community just because they were so inspired by the prompt, by the mission, by the vision. Uh, So yeah, it was a, it was a learning experience for sure. Yeah. I remember signing that wall. Mm -hmm. It was, Super, it was really awesome. You know, just and as soon as I registered, I was like, oh wow, the 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 grateful giraffe wall was right here. So everybody that came through the conference had an had a chance to experience the gratitude wall. And I it's interesting how you change the question from what are you grateful for? Right. Because sometimes people can go more towards a materialistic thing or mindset of consumerism. Oh, I'm thankful for 
you know, my Gucci sweater or whatever. And, you know, that's, that's fine. But I think the, the deeper purpose is just getting to the, that, that deeper part of ourselves. And so when you ask the question, who are you grateful for? Yeah. It, it creates a, um, more intimacy, I think not only with ourselves, but with those that we really love. Amen. Yeah, totally. Agree. Yeah. So after you went to New York, I mean, what did you guys do next? Did you continue the tour with the bus or how did you continue to grow the movement? Sure. Well, you know, we, um, we ended our trip and, you know, it was, it was in New York and our return flight to Israel, you know, where we had started this thing, uh, was just a week, week or so after. So I ended up driving the bus down to my parents' house in the suburbs of Philadelphia, uh, parking in their driveway. It just fit. (laughs) It was almost on the sidewalk, but it was just, it was crazy. And then, you know, I, I returned to Israel because that's where my apartment was and that's where my life was and that's where my friends were and you know i just at that point was kind of just unsure like what to do next you know the the vision was we're going to drive this bus everyone's going to notice it we're going to get all this pr we're going to get all this attention people are going to be joining our community and and we're just going to be generating a lot of revenues and it's going to you know lead to kind of this flywheel effect and none of that happened uh you know the market collapsing uh just kind of blew the wind out of all of our sales. And so we were kind of back in Israel, uh, my co-founder and I just kind of like, what, what do we do here? You know, we're, we're basically, I mean, we had, you know, $150,000 in Ethereum turned into $50,000 and we had, you know, just as many obligations to pay off. So we kind of ended up broke, you know, back in Israel, kind of just, do we keep going? Do we stop? Like, what's the, what's the plan? You know, is it, it was this moment of truth, right? It was like, um, do we do we persist or do we give up? You know, and so ultimately, the the reason that we're still doing it is the reason we continued uh, at the time, even in this really really challenging moment, because it's it's mission critical for this planet. You know, it's really a mission critical, um, you know, way to 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 change our trajectory and to rebuild trust and to rebuild unity and community and health and happiness. And so, you know, we managed to uh, find an angel investor to give us a little bit more breathing room uh, and then ultimately decided to relocate. Um, we, We kind of understood from the data and from our learnings that of all the places uh, to kind of continue to grow this movement and community, Los Angeles, which is responsible for creating a lot of cultural shifts, right? Hollywood and entertainment and media mm-hmm. and all these things um, would be the right place to, you know, kind of continue to build the, the community. And Venice uh, Beach in particular, which is where we produced our first ever evening of gratitude um, during that road trip, you know, they have Cafe Gratitude. Like literally there's a cafe called Cafe Gratitude. Um, and there's kind of this, optimistic dreamer energy in Venice of like, we can change the world together. There's a lot of people who are thinking creatively how to to make positive change. Uh, And so Adar and I kind of took a leap of faith and decided to relocate to LA in September. And we were very fortunate that 
um, one of our friends at, at Burning Man needed to move stuff and ship stuff from the East Coast to Burning Man. And somebody actually drove the bus from my parents' driveway all the way to the desert. And when I landed in Black Rock City, I was able to sleep on the grateful bus, you know, with all of these gratitude chairs all over it. And after that, we drove down uh, to LA, down the PCH, and, you know, have been just building the LA chapter the last 10 months, um, where we've been kind of focused on um, producing experiences that leave attendees feeling more elevated and connected. Uh, and Venice has kind of become our new home as a result. So it took a real uh, leap of faith to just leave seven and a half years and 14 years for Adar of Israel and Tel Aviv and our lives there and our friends there and just kind of start from scratch kind of, you know, we knew like three people in LA and we got here and we just had this intuition. And I want to give Adar more credit who really felt like LA is where this thing can take off and like become real and start to manifest. And I said, you know, I'm in, let's, let's go on a little adventure. And here we are, you know, so it's been crazy. This is so powerful because yes, the market crashed and yes, there was a WTF moment for so many people who had hopes and dreams and visions and building. And so many entrepreneurs, one of the reasons I love the NFT movement and cryptocurrency in general is because it, it, it's, it was a revolutionary way of being and thinking and creating in the world. There was so much energy behind that. It was so exciting. And the market crashed, which is a very real reality. People lost millions of dollars in that season. And, you know, and so it was a time for reflection and it really, it was a death. It was a, it was a death for a lot of people. And that can be very painful. And it's like, how, how do we overcome that? How do we overcome the many or exponential death that we experience? in our lives when it, especially when it comes to our dreams, especially, and a lot of people can crumble and can go, can stay in a state of, well, that didn't work out. And they can, they can relate that to their self-worth and their identity. And they can just kind of like curl up and crivel and shrivel up and just give up, or you can pivot. You can pivot, you can change, you can find that fire inside of you and you can think about new ways to accomplish the dream that was given to you, like the the divine dream, the divine mission that's so beyond you, right? This whole mission of gratitude. And, and that's what you did. So what was the catalyst to you? Like what practices did you do to get out of that slump of the market crashing and what are we going to do when we're short $50,000 and we're back in Israel and we wanted to travel across the country. And it's just, what did you do? How did you do that? It was just like a few practical steps for people who are out there who are going through something similar where it seems like their dreams are kind of like crashing and burning and they're, they feel stuck. Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't know that I have a specific practice. Um, I think, you know, my 
response to all of this unexpected uh, trauma, if you want to call it that, or just, you know, misfortune or however you want to describe it um, was, I mean, I experienced a lot of pain and at the same time, I, I developed this mindset and gratitude is a part of it of, you know, how can you reframe adversity, you know, and see it as a gift. And I've, I've been asking the question for years now, what if this is a gift? Anytime something bad happens, what if this is a gift? What is this? This is a gift. And then you start to kind of create a new story in your mind and it's not easy. And I'm not great at it all the time. Right. But I kind of saw it as a almost mystical occurrence, you know, losing so much so quickly, seeing this whole vision just collapse in such a short period of time, you know, driving a 2005 forward through the country when gas is at its highest price in history. You know, in history, I'm driving a mobile gratitude wall across country covered in giraffes, spreading gratitude. Wait, did you have air conditioning? We did have We did have AC. Okay. And, um, you know, just, just kind of witnessing that from like a observational without judgment kind of view, it's almost like comical, right? It's, it's hilarious. And that, that ability to see tragedy as comedy, I think is a practice, you know, because life is short. We're on this planet for whatever, 50, 80, hundred years. It's not much time. We only experience this subjective consciousness and this body for this period of time. We lose our memories. You believe in reincarnation this is my this is my opportunity to be on this planet and you know if if things really hit the fan kind of got to laugh I, I think that's just the the nature of my consciousness i've you know built myself to to laugh and thankfully i had a dar uh who you know is also very resilient and able to adapt to adversity pretty well and so without him i don't think we would be where we are. You know, I really relied on him. I was also going through a, a tough ending to a, a long relationship that was, you know, very, very challenging emotionally. And so that was taking up a lot of my, you know, energy. And as a result, um, you know, I was, I, I was experiencing kind of the dark night of the soul. And I, even though, you know, I would like to see this comedy, I, I was probably the most sad or depressed or anxious that I've ever been maybe ever like that was really the lowest point maybe my entire life right there and so at that point I was like well I've hit rock bottom and uh from here you know where where else can I go but just up and I just felt like I need to make a change and I need to like shuffle the deck and create a new portal uh for me to kind of transform and grow and heal and you know continue to pursue this passion and this mission and um, you know, I think just all that together led to this jump into the Burning Man of 2022 and out the other side into LA. And that was just kind of like this, you know, just transition for me that I think came from my ability to say, well, yeah, a lot of really shitty stuff just happened. It's laughable. Like it's so much bad stuff happened. Um, I can't believe it. So let's just keep going. You know, let's just keep going. And 
and again, the mission of spreading gratitude is so important to me. And so I think important for this planet that it allowed me to continue to, to push through the adversity, even though it was, you know, a little bit crazy to just continue to go in this direction with, you know, all of the, all of the unfortunate things that had occurred. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm chuckling with you because it's like, how, yeah, sometimes it's just all you, all you can do. It's just like, okay, <laughs> well, that happened. And right you know, that happened. And it, it's one big cosmic joke, really. And it's just, you're right. We're not going to be here forever. And so it's like, what are we going to do with our time? And who do we want to become in the process? And how do we, you know, what does the process look like? Can we remain grateful in the process? <laughs> so was the yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the irony of it. It's almost like a true test of your mission in a way. It's like, okay, Max, we're going to put you through all of this. Right. How determined are you to bring this movement to life? Yeah, that's powerful. So you're in LA. Yeah. And I'd love to talk about the community that you are building there. Sure. So and then, and, and how people can join that community too. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, when we got here, we were, um, again, like I said, kind of just nobodies, you know, we didn't really have a network, we didn't really didn't have any social proof. Um, and we asked ourselves, you know, what type of experiences are going to lead to people feeling elevated and connected, and enroll them in this vision and mission, so that they ultimately apply, you know, to become part of this community and then, you know, help us achieve our, our mission. And so our experience in Venice the first time where we hosted our first evening of gratitude, uh, when we drove to Austin, we, uh, well, actually it's funny because our first evening of gratitude, we thought was going to be sort of like a pitch dinner, you know, where like we could solicit investment from people who were attending. And so we spent a lot of money producing this crazy mansion dinner in Venice. And it was very, very unprofitable. Um, and then when we went to Austin, we were like, well, let's do something similar, but how can we do it on a, you know, how can we do it more efficiently on a lower budget? Um, so we rented an Airbnb and we bought a lot of food from Trader Joe's and we cooked the entire meal um, and hosted like 12 or 13 people. And that was a profitable evening. Um, so we learned, okay, you know, we can produce dinner. It gives people an experience that is unique and meaningful and builds a sense of community. Um, and then as a result of that dinner, we could see people wanting to be part of the community and applying and then ultimately purchasing, you know, one or more Grateful Giraffe NFTs. And so when we came to LA, we said, let's just kind of, you know, double down on the evening of gratitude. Uh, and, you know, we started to experiment with that. And over time, we built kind of like a real intentional experience that has, you know, different elements. And we have some candlelighting, we have some blessings, it's a presentation of the food and a gratitude prompt and some collective cleaning and just, uh, you know, a vibe, right? And so the, the vibe that we're creating around the evening of gratitude has kind of been our flagship experience 
uh, to build the community. We've now hosted more than 50 evenings of gratitude and all of them have been home cooked meals uh, in our apartments. You know, we've kind of been doing the Airbnb thing, uh, you know, trying to figure out is LA the place to park ourselves for the long term or is it temporary? Uh, but as we've hosted these dinners, we've started to see a community organically form. Um, and, you know, Adar and I are social people. So we've, you know, been able to attend other people's events and other people's experiences and other parties. And we have met over the past 10 months, just such an incredible, you know, group of people. Um, and, you know, a number of them have ultimately applied been approved and purchased uh, a lifetime membership to this uh, to this grateful giraffe community. And what we look for, you know, is honestly the the, the attributes that I shared earlier. Um, you know, gratitude is the key, right? Acknowledging the importance of gratitude in the life well lived and striving to practice it on a regular basis. That's the foundation for our community, and that's something we you know look for in the application process to see that this person is you know aware of the importance and, and actively participating in it. And then we have the giraffe, right? So the, the largest heart of all land mammals. So we want, you know, all community members to be open-hearted and to be emotionally connected and not just be lost in their mind all the time. So the, the brain-heart coherence is an important, you know, element of the, the community we're building. Uh, you know, a group of people that stick their necks out for each other, um, that stand tall and rise above the negativity. These are things that I mentioned earlier, but these are actually the, the types of people that we're you know, looking for as we can continue to build this lifestyle around this community, because that's the type of you know, human experience and existence we think is most you know, healthy and happy, right? So like more people acting like giraffes would lead to a better world for all, which is kind of silly to say, but it's true. And then the last point of the spiritually at grounded is also a key element. Uh, when we look for, you know, new, new community members, someone who does have their head in the clouds, but also their feet on the ground. And if I could summarize what it means to be a giraffe in a single sentence, it would be a dreamer that gets it done. Somebody who has that vision, but who actually executes, right? You're not just sitting on the clouds all day smoking weed. You actually are getting into the world, feeling the friction of, you know, the challenges that are around us and making, you know, concerted effort to, to make things change, right? So that's kind of the type of uh, individual we've been uh, magnetizing. Um, and as a result, we're now 220 giraffes here in LA, um, up from zero 10 months ago or two. Um, in parallel, we've seen other, uh, you know, communities start to emerge organically. In New York, we have about 50 giraffes. In Tel Aviv, where we started, we now have about 85 giraffes. We have a giraffe cluster in Austin popping up, some giraffes in Miami. And, you know, some people are already joining, even though they're not in L.A., where there's a lot of, I mean, the, the, the reality is that in L.A., there's just a lot more experiences that are being produced because Adar and I are, are here and we're constantly, you know, engaging with the local community, but we're starting to see people from Miami and SF and New York and Austin and other places apply and join because we also have a global digital experience in this platform called Circle, which you've joined, right? And it's a place where, you know, members create a profile, 
and they can introduce themselves and they can share a gift of gratitude and that can be virtual. And so we just saw yesterday, two people in our community, one offered a free styling session for anyone in the community who wants to get some advice on their fashion and another offered a free energy healing session to anyone in the community who wants to take advantage of her, you know, uh, her expertise. And we're building this global network where people can help each other heal and grow and self-actualize. And so the, the value of being a member isn't just tied to a local dinner or a local hike or a local party. It's tied to the fact that you're going to have friends all over the world that are open to connecting with you and open to helping you and open to supporting you in your journey. Um, and so it's been pretty cool <clears throat> to watch as we've created more and more community in LA to start to see this ripple effect outside of LA to the point where now we actually have community members hosting their own dinners and cacao ceremonies. And we're seeing this organic, you know, interest in, well, how can I do something for the giraffe community? You know, how can I hold this space? How can I facilitate? How can I bring people together? Because everyone's searching for community. You know, we don't have the church. We don't have the synagogue. We don't have the mosque. We don't have the same infrastructure that we used to have. And a lot of people are really, you know, lonely and they want to gather and they're looking for containers where again, it's not too woo-woo and it's not just about alcohol and getting drunk at the bar. And, you know, it's like, there's, there's this middle space that still has not really been filled. And you could say, yes, the yoga studio might kind of be like this new, you know, community center. And it is to an extent, you know, I think the yoga studio is kind of also filling that gap, but the yoga studio isn't where you're eating your dinner, you know, and you're lighting the candles and you're, you know, uh, dancing to music. And it, it's one modality, but there's a need for more variety and more types of experiences that leave, you know, people feeling more connected and elevated. And I think the Grateful Giraffe community, because of the type of person that we're seeking, you know, ultimately will be having these types of experiences all over the world and it'll be run by the Grateful Giraffe community. Similar to the whole Burning Man idea where it's about co-creation and decentralization and people taking responsibility and, you know, creating for one another, we're trying to bring that same culture, you know, into all these different cities where giraffes currently are. Uh, and we plan to, you know, start uh, traveling in late fall and early winter. Our next stop seems to be Austin, where we feel like there's a lot of energy waiting to be wrapped in a giraffe container. Um, and, you know, onwards and upwards from there. So we, we want to see, you know, dozens of cities over time having evenings of gratitude, having giraffes in the house parties, having giraffes on a hike, right? There's, there's these experiences that we've been refining here that we would like to see duplicated and reproduced in all these other cities around the world. So that's kind of the, you know, the next phase. And right now we're still, you know, focused here on LA, but we have really, really grand ambitions and you know we're excited to to see the progress that that we're making yeah congratulations on the progress and being there and and showing up for the community and hosting the dinners and what have you found to be just the number one thing that it takes to build community because i think back to the whole nft conversation it's like people wanted to create nfts but they realized that they didn't have a community to even support their project or to buy the NFT or whatever. So it worked really well for people that already had a large audience and a large community to give them, you know, different perks of exclusivity or, um, you know, conversations with that particular artist or musician or whoever it may have been. But 
what, what has been keys for you to build and grow community? Because you're right. People want to step into community, but maybe they just don't know how to build it for themselves. And I, I am one of those people, you know, just two years ago, I really didn't have any friends. Like my birthday party would give me anxiety. Cause I was like, I don't even know who I'm going to invite, you know, yeah. because I just was so wrapped up in my career and a boyfriend and just everything and, and, and being kind of a nomad and living in different cities across the country. Like I, I didn't really have roots anywhere. And so you know, it's hard to have community as an adult. And I think it's something that we really long for and we need, um, for our mental health. So if someone wants to build a community, what are some steps that they can do? I guess one more thing. Yeah. I feel like I didn't, I didn't have community because I didn't know how to create it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to show up and, and go to the things, you know, I think the pandemic caused a lot of social anxiety for a lot of people because we forgot right. what it was like to hang out right. Right. together and be around folks. So what can you say to that? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I, uh, you know, before Grateful Giraffes, I really didn't see myself as a community builder or a community leader. Um, you know, I, I like to get people together for Friday night dinner, but that was kind of the, the extent of my, my community building. Um, and I think the key to build a community that I've learned is consistency. Um, you know, if you're able to be consistent and show up and each week have some, you know, experience that people can reliably attend and that brings them value, um, that's like the foundation and it can be virtual, you know, like it could be, Hey, we're going to do a breath work every week at this time. And you know, it's free and then you build a breathwork community, right? It's like people keep coming because they reliably can access that experience that leaves them feeling better, right? So it's like, how do you offer something to people that they need, that they feel better after attending? And how can you be consistent in the way that you, you know, invite and deliver that experience? And then the people who are coming to that experience you know, can you give them opportunities to connect with one another and then build relationships with one another and build trust? And then over time, you see this organic sense of like new connections being made and new friendships forming and new partnerships emerging. And that just leads to this sort of, you know, social fabric, you know, that, that comes from the consistency. So I think what we've done well is we've produced at least one evening of gratitude every single week for the last 10 months, you know, and that has been like the core. Uh, And on top of that, we've built this, you know, this party line called Giraffes in the House. Um, And Giraffes in the House brings together, you know, art. Uh, So we have art at every party, including like live art. So people actually painting and drawing and, you know, doing something artistic at the party, which creates a lot of, you know, really positive energy. We have um, you know, some sort of wellness activation uh, at each party as well, um, you know, which could be a meditation or, you know, some sort of breathing exercise or some sort of technology um, or massage um, or otherwise that, you know, just kind of boost people's well-being. And then uh, we have live DJs, right? So they're playing music and people are dancing and coming together on the dance floor. And, you know, we don't serve alcohol at our parties. So, you know, people have occasionally brought their own, but it's more of like a, 
functional beverage, um, you know, sort of offering. And um, that has also, I think, created something unique because it kind of keeps the people who only want to drink, like only want to go out if they can drink away from our parties, you know? And so having some <clears throat> rules and regulations and guidelines and boundaries, um, I think, you know, really also can create a sense of community uh, because you have to kind of know what you're not as well as what you are for people to identify and say, yes, this is a community I'm a part of. Um, so we have been, you know, I think intentional uh, in the way that we celebrate um, that has, you know, created a certain culture. Um, so yeah, consistency and boundaries, I think that's, uh, that's a key. Yeah. Those are great, great insights. Thank you so much. Um, right. So a few more questions. Um, Tell me about Grateful Labs and your vision there. Yeah, totally. And then I'd love to learn how people can join, join your community. For sure. So, you know, Grateful Labs is the parent company that I co-founded with Adar. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a Delaware C-Corp. Uh, its vision is a world with more gratitude, connection, and compassion. Uh, its mission is to enhance the well-being of more than a billion people. And our strategy uh, is to build a community of owners underneath the brands and co-create products and services with that community. So when you become a grateful giraffe, yes, you're you know a member of this collective, but you actually have the ability to become a shareholder in the parent company. And if we succeed in launching a gratitude journal, uh, a gratitude masterclass, a giraffe fashion collection, a giraffe toy collection, a giraffe children's book, um, you know, the, the there's there's a lot of potential here. Because, I mean, I like to use an analogy of Virgin, you know, the, the brand, right? Richard Branson has this lifestyle brand. And, you know, the brand has gone into hospitality and transportation and food and beverage. And it's agnostic to the vertical, right? You have intellectual property, the Virgin brand, and you monetize that brand in all these different verticals. And it's a very profitable company. I mean, I don't know how he's doing in space, but <laughs> generally speaking, you know, he's, he's been able to leverage that IP to build all these other businesses. Now, if you look at, um, you know, some of the most valuable companies in the world, Apple, Nike, Adidas, North Face, Starbucks, Disney, it goes on and on. These are also lifestyle brands. Um, and 30 to 50% of their market capitalization is attributable to their brands. Meaning, you know, most times when we value a company, it's based on, okay, what are their profit margins? How much cash are they generating? What are our growth projections? But these companies, 30 to 50% of their market value is just how much consumers appreciate the brand. And so we see a tremendous opportunity to build, you know, a franchise here, the Grateful Giraffe being the, the lifestyle brand that can allow us to monetize into all these different verticals with products and services that align with our values and that elevate well-being. Um, so that's kind of the vision here. We want to build a global lifestyle brand, eventually that goes public, that has developed products and services across a number of verticals, that's profitable. And those you know, earnings are going to be part of our community. Meaning if you are a Grateful Giraffe member, you have some you know, fractional claim over the future profits of this enterprise. And the more that you contribute as a community member, the more you earn in shares. Um, and this is 
a new model. Um, you know, we've seen this transition happening with the crowdfunding movement, where now you have companies that can sell their equity to their supporters, right? And so there's platforms like WeFunder, where you know your your customers or users can buy hundred dollars of your shares, and so you have this like shareholder collective. Um, we're taking a slightly different approach. Um, in that our community members can earn shares, right? So there's there's multiple types of capital, right? There's financial capital, there's social capital, but there's also the energy that you invest into the community. Um, and whether that's hosting an experience, whether that's recruiting new members, uh, whether that's creating content uh, and social media management, there's all these ways that community members can support the community and support the brand and earn shares and Grateful Labs as results. Um, and so, we kind of, you know, have seen the Airbnbs of the world and the Ubers of the world build these multi-billion-dollar enterprises on the backs of their drivers, of their hosts. Um, and guess who gets upside? Not the drivers, not the hosts, right? The the upside is the investors, the founders, some of the employees, uh, but the people who are really responsible for driving a ton of the enterprise value are not getting upside. And so we want to change that. We call it community-owned capitalism, and we think that more and more companies will move in this direction where they actually are granting more and more ownership over the parent company to their communities, to their users, to their customers as a way to align incentives, right? Because if we succeed in launching a gratitude journal and millions of people are using the Grateful Giraffe gratitude journal, the Grateful Giraffe community that helped us create that, they should earn as a result. Now, will everyone earn the same amount? No. Those who contribute more should earn more, right? It's a fair system. It's meritocratic. Just buying into this community and then never, you know, being involved for the rest of your life, you shouldn't have as much ownership as someone who, you know, is hosting a podcast, interviewing the founder, or, you know, hosting a dinner series in their local community. So there's different ways we plan to reward ownership and the parent company. And we launched that program, you know, a few weeks ago. We've seen some really, you know, interesting engagement so far. Um, and just, you know, we, we see the community as the sustainable competitive advantage, right? So let's say we want to launch a gratitude journal to the world. Um, before we develop that, you know, book, we'll first test sequences of prompts on different groups within the Grateful Draft community. Which sequences evoked the greatest sense of well-being? You know, what images did you like that were, you know, on the same page as the prompt? Um, there's just all this data that you can gather when you develop a product when you have a community of owners. That just is, is new. It's not, you know, it's not other companies don't have that ability, right, to just have a built-in focus group for anything they want to launch. Um, so that's on the product development side. But what about on the go-to-market side, right? Imagine having 7,000 owners in a, in a company that's launching a gratitude journal. I think a few of them are going to talk about it on social media, you know? I think a few of them are going to tell their friends, hey, there's this new gratitude journal in the market that I was a part of that's spreading you know, the giraffe and the, the gratitude. So there's also this built-in marketing engine um, that you know, is, is part of you know, the, the Grateful Giraffe community. So there's real business competitive advantages that come from giving ownership to your community, so much so that I believe more and more communities will be forced or inspired to give more ownership, you know, out because when people have a sense of ownership, they're so much more generous with their time and energy and interest. So that, that's just kind of how we're 
we're thinking about it and you know it's an experiment we really don't know how it's going to play out and maybe we're wrong and maybe none of this will work as planned and we'll pivot another 10 times but you know so far it's resonating um and a lot of people you know are, are excited about it um and if, for people who are interested in applying um you can go to our website gratefulgiraffes.com uh there's an application form it asks kind of who referred you uh and if you know no one referred you then uh you can just share how you heard about us um and then there's a few questions and there's a membership committee that uh, gathers on a weekly basis to review uh the different applications and communicates you know next steps and so uh, for those of you who are listening to this, who want to be involved in this uh, community, who want to be involved in this movement and this mission, we're very eager uh, to have you apply uh, and looking forward to, you know, seeing uh, seeing the applications as they come in. Thank you, Max. Um, yeah. yeah, being part of this community has been really exciting. You know, you guys are doing some really beautiful things and I'm not even in LA, you know. And, but I still get to be part of this global community and, and reaching out to people on circle and finding common connections with people. I've got a few calls lined up with some members in the community this week. And uh, just to see if there's any synergy to see what can come from unity, from coming together and sharing our ideas. And so, um, speaking of that, you guys have an incredible perk coming up. Um, you have some awesome, awesome experiences for people who want to, or for people who are part of your community. So Deepak Chopra is actually going to be speaking as a fireside chat for the Grateful Giraffes community. And I am so excited about this and it's right around the corner. So, um, do you want to share a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, we uh, participated in a mental health uh, charity fundraiser uh, about a month ago. And through that support, you know, we were gifted this opportunity uh, to have a fireside chat with Deepak. There's a few other winners in that, you know, uh, uh, fundraiser that will be joining the call, but it's open uh, to the giraffe community, which we think is a great benefit of being a member. Uh, we intend to have, you know, more of these fireside chats going forward. Uh, with high-level people who want to share their story and help, you know, the giraffes come together uh, online. So we, we do see kind of that monthly fireside chat uh, experience becoming a part of our, our calendar, especially because not everyone is in LA or in New York, but still, you know, highly values the, the intellectual and emotional stimulation of being able to, to hear from a leader in their field. Uh, so yeah, anyone who you know, joins before next Thursday at 8 a.m., I will be able to join that call as well and get access to our global membership directory on Circle. Uh, and one of the things that, you know, is, is I think unique about our take on Circle, which is kind of a, it's a platform that any community could use, is that you really ask a lot of questions before you uh, create your profile so that other members can really see where they can support one another. So there's, you know, an unreasonable request, uh, there's a bucket list, there's a request for support, there's a gift of gratitude, there's three fun facts about you, there's your professional bio, like, we really want each member to take the time to fill out this, you know, profile, because then not only can other members browse through and connect where they see synergy, we're also working on a way where we can facilitate introductions by analyzing the different data 
that's been produced in these profiles, right? So matching, um, maybe not algorithmically yet, but at a certain point, maybe. But right now, we actually have someone on our team who's looking through profiles and seeing, okay, you know, where does this line up? This person's skill and this person's need, right? And the more we can connect those people, the more value there is of being a giraffe. So that's just another cool initiative we're, we're working on and, uh, you know, excited to see who else uh, comes into the, the community uh, before, uh, before this amazing event on, on the 20th. Yes, on July 20th. Awesome. Well, I've so enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. I've learned so much and I'm truly, truly inspired by your journey. Thank you. And um, thank you for, you know, showing up daily and leading this community and helping people understand themselves better and creating that more that creating that awareness for themselves and, and gratitude is such a, a key to that so i really appreciate you thank you so much tori this has been a pleasure thank you for taking the time thank you for the invitation hope to see you soon i know i'll see you next thursday on the, yes. the event, but hope to see you in person in the near future yes me too we'll make it happen okay have a great day bye Thank you for listening to Meta Spiritual, the Conscious Web 3 podcast, exploring the metaphysical, the mystical, and the metaverse. Meta Spiritual is your compass in the vast landscape of Web 3, guiding you towards brands and projects that strive for a more conscious and impactful future. I'm Tori Madison, your host. As a researcher, writer, and publicist in this space, I look forward to bringing you more content that questions the future of technology and the impact that it has on humanity. Subscribe for more episodes.